All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for the Chasing Waypoints podcast, episode number 29. And I have some big news, huge news. So excited, kind of crazy, but I'm no longer a virgin. Let's hear more about that on today's show. That's right, we have finally ran a roadbook. For some of you who didn't know, so I've been following Rally for a while and, and know a lot about it. I did do the introduction school for uh, Baja Rally. Did the paperwork side of it, but never actually got a chance to get behind a roadbook. I know a lot of people thought I was already in into that, but surprise, surprise, no, that is not the case. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that on this episode. Number 29 of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Sunday afternoon, getting some rain here in San Diego. Kind of unexpected, a little bit of a thunderstorm so hopefully we can record this whole episode uninterrupted with internet and all so let's turn down this party and talk a little bit about this weekend's adventures all right so that is right so this weekend i got a chance to hang out with our friend gnarly dave david manriquez a little bit of a stutter there with Dave Manriquez. He is one of the people that builds roadbooks here in Southern California. If you guys listened to the Baja Rally episode, you heard a little bit about uh, his efforts and what he has been doing uh, as far as roadbooks have been going. Scotty Bloom giving him props on that one. Uh, so very impressive. I mean, he's plenty of roadbooks now. He's been learning and, and building them and building them and better and better and better. And uh, this weekend, I finally got a chance uh, to get out on the bike, dressed up the uh, KTM 790, put the roadbook holder and a RNS Electronics uh, GFX V2 Pro on there, along with the Multi-Switch 3. If you guys saw the post on my Instagram, uh, I was just cruising the neighborhood a little bit ago after washing the bike down and getting all the dirt off of it. But I am, I'm hooked. I mean, it's uh, it is definitely an interesting experience uh, riding a roadbook, you know, uh, you can look at it on paper, and, and it is. You know, it's, it's fairly easy to understand um, going by the pictures, going by the kilometers, going that kind of thing. And it's also semi-easy to get lost, but also semi-easy to find yourself because, well, if the notes are done correctly and the descriptions and everything is in there, uh, you could turn right back around and kind of reset yourself and figure it out. And so it wasn't bad at all, actually. Had a lot of fun uh, whipping the 790 around or trying to. So it wasn't uh, wasn't uh, what I thought it was going to be as far as terrain. It was a little bit more challenging than I was ready for. I hadn't ridden the bike in a few months. And so we still went for it, went full send, and, and, and it was fun. So day started off, uh, rode up to Adelanto and uh, met up with Gnarly Dave, hung out there for the night, and then the next morning was go time. We were probably wheels up around 9 a.m., and, and we were testing the new uh, those mujeres uh, route uh, that gnarly Davis come up with uh, soon to be in the hands of uh, Ricky Brabeck and the Honda team for them for practice. And I was um, at first, you know, I was ready to go. You know, I figured, okay, this is going to be easy. And, um, and the road navigation stuff was easy, but it was, it was only a few notes in where I blew a corner and I was being too, trying to be too precise with the odometer and no, this isn't the turn, you know, I'm in, I, you know, obviously it's, you're looking at it and you get tunnel vision and, and, you know, he coached me with it, which was really cool. Um, you know, learning, learning some of the stuff from him, 
uh, and what he's seeing and, and, and the stuff that he's he's overheard and what, what they're doing. So it was pretty cool. Got back underway, stopped for fuel, went through it, and then started hitting uh, hitting the trails and uh, got got off uh, got off track there fairly quick uh, once again. But hung out, waited for me. I did some exploring on my own <laughs> until I realized that I was going the wrong way. Uh, but it was actually uh, it was actually pretty fun. So teaming up and and doing stuff, you know, getting warmed up. You can't go into it with any kind of expectation like, okay, I am going to nail this roadbook. I am not going to get lost. I am going to – that's not going to happen. You're going to get lost. And it – you know, no matter how much either you're being too – you're being too uh, – trying to be too precise and too delicate and, you know, trying to be too spot on that you miss things or the other way around is you're just so focused on on the road and, and having fun that you just blow by it. And so – that turned for me uh, once once we were able to get back underway uh, after finding myself and him, you know, kind of guiding me through that first uh, first couple notes. Uh, we were on it for a little while and, and back and forth. And it took me a little bit to get warmed up, but then eventually found kind of a rhythm. And I was starting to make choices um, that were a little bit more correct. You know, I was just kind of going with the flow, adjusting the odometer, uh, getting back on point and then. And then moving on to the next note. And so there was a couple of things that I missed uh, once we got down uh, into this area where uh, basically we came out. Um, and I fast forward, I was looking and counting and they thought I was on track. But then that's where I experienced the whole, you know, you get you get going, you get sucked into the, the, the route that you're on or the road that you're on. And next thing you know, you're three kilometers past the marker. Um, my, my bad. I mean, I was down there having fun and almost buried the 790, uh, in some sand, but you know, whatever, I'm here to talk about it. So it was pretty cool. Went down, uh, there was, uh, there was a interesting video or an interesting moment, uh, where my rider ability, uh, was, I think I had reached the talent, the talent threshold, uh, for my ability to ride, uh, especially a big bike like the 790, uh, we did in a in this area. I'm I'm trying not to give away any of the like specific areas or specific things um, because to respect the route, right? I don't want to give away too much information and then have uh, the people that are going to be riding it uh, know more about the route than they should. Uh, but it came to this area where there was a split in the road, and you know I made the right decision, but it came to a stop because it didn't seem clear going forward. Uh, I saw this kind of a uphill. Uh, and I was like, well, uh, this looks a little interesting, uh, especially on the 790. And the thing about the 790, and it's 100 and I think I'm over 100 horse now, uh, Rottweiler intake on the last one. And you could definitely feel the power gain on that one. The seat dyno says it's exactly 9.586 horsepower. Uh, but anyway, you going going up things on the 790 is very easy, actually. Uh, the problem is going down, uh, like many of us know is heavier things pick up speed going downhill faster. So get to the top of this, you know, I'm at the bottom, I'm looking at it, and, you know, I look over at Dave, and I'm like, dude, I don't know about this. And he goes, is there a way? I asked him if there was a way around. He's like, I wouldn't put you into anything that uh, that I didn't think you could handle. Okay, fair enough. So I'm like, well, what's on the other side of this? I'm like, is it a plateau? He's like, I don't know. And, you know, the I don't know that I know you know, but, you know, I'm not going to tell you. And so... I get to the top of this thing, right? I drop the thing into first, get it going, pick up some momentum, and then just get up to the top of this hill. 
And as soon as I am like up on the pegs and able to see over the top, it is right back down. And it, it was uh, an interesting moment. I was able to stall the bike just in time and then had to kind of muscle it just that last little bit to get the front tire over so that it would hang itself there. And I didn't have to actually do anything. The bike would just sit there. And, you know, he came up and he's like, come on, you can do it. And I come down and I'm looking at this thing and I go, it might as well be vertically down. I mean, it just seemed like way steep uh, and it was pretty steep. But, you know, GoPro doing an excellent job of making it look like, you know, it's flat. Um, but I just I'm looking at this thing going, this is the end. This is literally I'm going to watch my bike just fold itself in half on the way down. And uh, no sooner than I'm sitting there uh, contemplating my life choices uh, two Jeeps roll up and they're, you know, so now, like we said, it is now I've got an audience. So now not only is it Dave down at the bottom going, you can do it. Now I got these guys also doing it. And I'm like, well, I, I got no other choice. So inched the thing down, kind of got it over, got, you know, got it. So where it was facing down, you know, got the rear tire right up on top there and then just started to kind of inch it forward, had one foot down. Kind of slid it down, back brakes, stepped out, you know, let it go a little bit. And it's really unnerving to to think that, you know, okay, I'm on the brakes, but if I want the bike to correct itself, I need to let off the brakes. And so that was a little bit of a challenge, but managed to get that one out. And then towards the bottom, the ABS kicked on. My bad, because this is something that I need to practice on. Like, I know my abilities, and I know that I need to practice on my braking and brake control. And for sure... Um, that was a mistake of mine that I had ABS on and full ABS, so rear and front. So it was in off-road mode, so off-road throttle response, motor tra- uh, motorcycle traction control was on, and uh, on-road ABS, which everybody that's listening going, eh, you should be doing that. Correct, I shouldn't be. But what I should be doing is practicing more uh, using the off-road ABS and feathering the brake. Mind it, I was a bit nervous because it was the first time riding the bike in full-on motocross boots, um, so I, you know, the brake feel, and then I have the lowered pegs from raid garage. So the brake pedal actually sits kind of high, which reminds me, I should adjust that tonight. Uh, the brake pedal sits kind of high. It's nice on the street and especially for riding with like regular, like riding shoes, like for commuting, uh, having the brake. I like that feeling of the brake being like right there. Uh, but on motocross boots, let me tell you, that is a pain. So anyway, uh, by the time I got to the hill, I bottom of the hill, I was probably doing like 98 miles an hour. At least that's what it felt like. Uh, but was able to rope it back in and, uh, stop it in the middle of the trail. Another big no, no. Uh, so the Jeep guys, you know, everybody fist bumps, high fives, whatever. And then we were on to the races. So, uh, same thing, more navigation stuff and, and, and focusing and, and trying to really kind of go, uh, not go fast, but go the correct way and make correct choices. Uh, which was, I think that was mainly my focus. And something that was interesting for me, um, you know, I've said it before where I thought that uh, when you're racing like with a rally comp or you're in a rally raid and you have like a rally comp unit, right? And you go through an area and the rally comp unit beeps at you that you've cleared a waypoint. That feeling of relief, like, okay, cool, we're on it. Well, there's more to it than that. And it's not just when you hit a waypoint, and feel, you know, like that feeling that you get because the thing beeped at you. But it's also when you're following the road book and you're a few notes deep and you feel like you've getting a flow, right? You're you're not stopping at every intersection. You know, you're figuring it out. And then there's areas where, 
okay, I, I, I'm starting to question myself on this because it's been a little bit since the last note. You know, I feel like I'm in the right direction. There's a lot of lines in this area. You know, did I get the right one? And then all of a sudden you look at the note and it's like, okay, I should be coming up on this like U-turn. And so uh, you look at it. I look down and I go, I'm going, holy hell, there it is. You turn on the road, you turn on the book. All right, we're in business. So that feeling of, you know, that accomplishment, right? Like, oh, I guessed it. I guessed the right answer on the test. Um, it really doesn't, it's not exclusive to the waypoints, but it's all. It, it's also uh, encompassed in the notes and, and doing that. So I think that that was a very big, uh, very big moment for me in, in, in navigating and learning this. And like I said, I mean, you, you, you're going to practice, you're going to get lost. It's just, it's going to happen. So finding how to fix yourself and correct yourself uh, in the road book and get back on track is, is going to be huge. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing more as far as road books go and, and doing that stuff. And I was talking to my dad earlier today and we were talking about some of the stuff, you know, future stuff for chasing waypoints and uh, a lot of great, great things came up. But, you know, one of the things that we were talking about was, and I talked about this with Dave and, and I've also talked about it with a couple other people is the right tool for the right job. And while the 790 is a ton of fun, especially when you get into like deep sand, um, there's a funny post going around. I'll let you guys find it if you if you really want to see it. But when you get into deep sand and stuff like that with a bike this big, it is very challenging. It wants to go its own direction. And I treat it like, uh, how would you say, I feel like I don't know how to fly an airplane. All right. We'll just let's just get that out there. But um, I feel like the bigger the plane, the higher the stall speed is in other words that point in where this thing will literally fall out of the sky the speed is higher the bigger it gets that threshold and i feel like with big bikes and skinny bikes it's the same thing a skinny bike will get up on plane quicker uh and and it's a little bit more nimble in that stuff where a bigger heavier bike like the 790 you have to be going faster for it to float up on top and once you get it there, I mean, it's just it's a ton of fun because you just got so much power. It's stupid. And you're getting up to the speed where the bike has already got momentum. You hit the accelerator. And I mean, it almost feels like it accelerates like if it was on pavement. It's crazy, but it's so much fun. But it also sucks when you have to turn because now it's like, OK, I got to drop it into second. I'm going to have to slow down carefully here and I'm going to have to make this turn. So. Another area of opportunity, right? In this ride, I learned a lot about, you know, where my abilities are as far as a rider goes uh, on a big bike like this. And it can be done. And, and you know, hats off to West Bend Union House for competing on a 790 at the Sonora Rally um, in, in Sugar Sands, which is even worse. But making it happen on that bike and it, it really puts it more into a frame of like, OK, yeah, it, it, it takes some talent and. Well, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but uh, but that, you know, can be done with practice. Right. I, I don't think I've I've um, I've really ever marketed myself or said anything that, you know, would indicate that, oh, I'm a professional level writer. I'm absolutely not. I'm more the beginner intermediate, uh, more maybe more intermediate. Right. I, I do know what to do on some sections and, and things. And, you know, downhill still scare me and I'm not the fastest in the corners. But, you know, um, that only comes with experience. So. I realized that, okay, yeah, it, I want to do more road books because this is, it was just, it's just so much fun. You know, it, it's building a puzzle. It's putting something together for me. You're, you're literally like, it's like you're, here's the directions and I need you to piece together this route. That's the, like, that's, 
I feel like, okay, and then throw waypoints in there, and the waypoints are the, okay, but you have to put this piece here. I think that's really like uh, another way of describing what it feels like to do a rally roadbook. And for a lot of people, you know, again, if, if, if there's a hesitation or this is some, you know, until you actually try and ride one and, and go and do it and put the stuff together on the right bike and on the right things, um, I, I don't even know. I mean, you're, you're like looking at it from, uh, from a distance, right? You're sitting across and you don't really know what the conversation is. I now know that only because now I've, I've done one road book, right? And I'm not an expert on this stuff. And, and people know how to read them and do a lot of stuff, but there's a whole nother level of experience and fun when you actually do one. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm a proponent for it, but anyway, all this beating around the bush for, for something so simple. Anyway, I need a skinny bike. That's just that, you know, no two ways about it. And so a uh, couple episodes ago, uh, last episode, we talked to Justin and Kira West by 1000 uh, about their experience covering the Dakar and covering uh, some of the other rallies like the Silkway rally um, and then their stuff. But the episode before that, uh, we talked a little bit about the Silkway rally. And then I also mentioned about a WR and picking up a WR 250F because I thought, you know what? I just want something that's like super small. I don't care about how, you know, um, like how versatile it is. I mean, I just want a small dirt bike, right? Something that I can drop and pick up a hundred times because I, I want to learn. I want to better my skills as a rider. And, you know, I figured, well, that's the, you know, that's the right tool. That would be the right tool for the job. And just, you know, call up uh, Matthew over at Rally Moto Shop and, and get the rest of the equipment, which, by the way, I do have to say hats off to Matthew for getting uh, getting me that stuff out. Uh, so I did order that RNS uh, unit and the uh, the multi-switch. Uh, I think he had that thing boxed up in like six minutes and out the door and uh, received it uh, the next day, which blew me away um, from Canada, which is crazy. But I, I mean, it was just mad respect. I mean, it got he had the right stuff on the shelf ready to go for me, and it was awesome. And so uh, I'm a fan. The Icos are bulletproof, been around forever. The RNS I think has got a slight or more than a slight advantage uh, as far as functionality goes on that GFX V2 Pro. Um, the screen is like super huge, which was really easy for me to see, considering that I had it all the way down mounted on the bars. So. Uh, really, really like that. Uh, that's from RNS Electronics Rally Navigation Systems. Uh, so, anyway, check that one out. But anyway, so the the story is skinny bike, right? Get a skinny bike, get something that you can practice on and do that stuff. So, uh, no sooner totally going to name drop here, but a uh, couple days after that episode come came out, um, I had a competitor and and friend, you know, family friend now, right? Rally family, uh, Billy Trap, reach out to me. And he's like, dude, yes, but look at the the KTMs and look at this because of the the popularity of the parts and and you're more likely to run across somebody that's got spare parts at an event or out on the trail, uh, you know, if if something goes down, and you know, it honestly it made sense. I mean, my OCD says I've got an orange bike already. I should have another orange bike in the garage, but at the same time, I was like, well, you know, you know, it doesn't really matter. But then you start thinking about it. It's like, okay, well, you're right. I mean, the availability of parts and stuff like that. And and let's leave the kick till Monday. Can't take Mexico. Can't take mud. You know, let, let, let's let leave that aside, right? Because everybody's going to have an opinion over 
uh, bikes and, and, and which ones are more reliable and which ones are more on this and this and that and the other and what oil to run in them and da 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 da, you know, all that, you know. So we'll leave that aside and we'll just say, well, if the WR, if everybody raced WRs in Baja, then it would be the same statement, but it would be a WR. But now in this case, it's a KTM and, you know, availability, parts availability, you're right. I mean, that's a big, you know, that's a big deal. Not that you ever hope to need anything or that you want to, but it's best to plan for it because then that way at least you're prepared. So I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Yeah, you know, 350 EXE, you know, still small bike and all that stuff. And enter Mike Haberoth. <laughs> so he no sooner than I'm already like, okay, I'm going to look up a 350 EXE. Uh, Mike Haberoth for Ride, Ride North Moto and Motomedics. Um, and by the way, you got to check out his channel. They do have a uh, ice road that they do in Canada. Uh, this this event, this ride that they do is absolutely nuts. And it's just the amount of gear that they have to wear to do this is just insane. I would go nowhere near this. I will happily watch them uh, from my 65 degrees, you know, uh, uh, house, you know, on the computer or whatever, but blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so in talking to him and then he goes, you know, but the 500, you know, the equipment and all that stuff. And well, you know what? I uh, I'm the first to admit I am. Uh, if they had a racing class in desert racing or rally raid for or based on riders, I would thoroughly be in the Clydesdale class. Um, and so a 350 power wise, you know, really isn't isn't is there, but not there where when you compare it to a 500, obviously the 500's got a little bit more get up and go usable torque and that kind of thing. And so it's like, well, you know which way do you go? You know, you want to do this. And I, I like the 350. I like the idea of the 350 in, engine because, well, obviously it's going to be probably a little better on fuel mileage, I would think. Um, but then there's the 500 and it's got it if you need it. And if you get on the highway, you know, it's got the motors not, you know, being wrung out, trying to make that extra horsepower to get you and keep you at 65 miles an hour. So I go back and I go, great. So here we are all the way back at a, at a 500 or some kind of 450, you know, and I, you know, and then I think and I go, well, but at the end, at the end of the day, right, it's, it's the right tool for the job. And that's okay. Well, what we need is a skinny bike. We need a, 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 a dirt bike that you can put, you know, the navigation equipment on and, and thankfully, I'm I'm almost there. You know, I've ordered the stuff from from Rally Motor Shop and got the the F2R Roadbook Reader, the the 730, uh, and now I have the stuff from RNS Electronics. So I'm pretty much there, right? Go to event. Uh, I got room for a Rally Comp on there, you know. And for navigating roadbooks, the one the one I go or the one RNS is is perfect. I mean, it'll work. You don't need to really have two, and especially on the with the RNS where you can select it to show trip and uh, cap heading at the same time. So now you've got one device that does both things, you know, cool. And you're not riding at race pace. So it's not like, you know, oh, my, you know, the cap is in in 14 point font. You know, actually, it's more like a, I would say it's like a 16 point font um, where the 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 trip meter is going to be more of like a, I don't know, like a 24. You know, it, it's 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 fairly large. I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, the screen size is, is pretty good on those things. And, and it was easy to see. So. It doesn't it doesn't mean that you need all this other stuff. You know, you've got it right there. You know, you can get it. He's got it on the shelf. And so it works out. So thinking about it, it's like, OK, skinny bike. This is I mean, I need it. And and yeah, that, you know, the 790, 
I'll revert back, right? I got the handguards. I got some of the things that can go back. They're universal, obviously. Um, you know, I'll put the handguards back on that have the Rottweiler mirror uh, adapters and then uh, throw the Garmin GPS back on there up on top, replace where the roadbook reader was, get the hand controls back up front, back onto the handlebars, and and it's ready to go. And I still think the 790 is an excellent bike for Baja for the stuff that I like to do, which is, you know, the Laguna Hansons, the Mike Sky Ranch, the uh, Ejido Erendida, there's, you know, those those places. And then going to, like, say if I go all the way to La Paz or go all the way to Cabo, I'm sure I can get uh, get there on a 500 or a 501 or uh, a 450 of some sort. But the 790 is just going to have a little bit more power. And, and I don't want to go, like, off into the boonies. You know, I, I still want to do some... Uh, some off-road, you know, some some bigger fire roads and stuff like that and just have fun and explore the area, but nothing too gnarly. And so I think that the 790 fits perfectly for that because you can throw the gear on it and it's still going to rip up the highway if you need to get past the semi or something, you know, in a hurry. So it has its place. And I still think that that is a great, great bike for doing that kind of stuff. Now, are we going to go into the back section of mics and all that stuff? Yeah, maybe once my rider talent is is at a more uh, advanced level. But for now, it's like, well, you know, it's it's like you kind of do need two tools. And 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 in really looking at it, it's like, well, you know, hey, this is the this is the the next choice, right? You know, and and, and the next step and what to do. I noticed, uh, and, and speaking with uh, another friend today, uh, I won't name drop his name because I don't know if he's you know up for it or whatever, but we were talking about bikes, and he's just built a 701, it's real bitchin' 701 LR, um, got the front tank, back tank on it, it's got a rally fairing on it, and it's just this badass little long-distance traveler, and it seems like that's the kind of way that, that a lot of guys are going on that Um and by a lot of guys, I mean, like, you know, I know that uh, Mike Johnson from Rally Comp's got one in his stable now. I believe that came from Lyndon Poskett. I'm not 100% sure, but could be. Um, but anyway, I mean, it's like single cylinder, you know, thumper, you know, big displacement, you know, and, and smooth. And so it seems like that, you know, that kind of bike would be better suited for a lot of the stuff. Now, well, why not get a 701 and and keep the 790? And I go, well... They're too close together. You know, the weight is a little higher on the 701 versus the 500, uh, and it's getting closer to the uh, 790, 798.90 from KTM. But then you think, well, I mean, if I'm going to do it, and I'm going to have two bikes in the stable, then one has to be much uh, like more, have a more distinct difference. And that's where the, uh, the 500s, uh, 500 or 450 comes into play because it's like, okay, well, yeah, here is, you know, here's a sizable weight difference and here is a sizable, uh, difference in power delivery and, and, uh, handling characteristics. You know, there's, there's more to it. Uh, not to say that the 790 or the 701, uh, wouldn't be, I mean, the 701 has the ladder frame. It's built like, uh, the rally bikes. As a matter of fact, um, the original when the rules changed at Dakar, they took the same frame and then they just put a 450 engine in it to meet the requirements, which I mean, if things keep going the way they're going and they're trying to slow bikes down, we'll probably be all running 250s here in the next five years. Uh, so I don't know. At least that's how, what I'm looking at. But anyway, I mean, it, it has its like 
the somebody called it. I think it was. I think it was Mike Haberoth, and he says like it's like the Swiss Army knife. It's just the thing that does all the things, and it does everything well enough, right? So then I think, like, oh yeah, I mean that makes you know that makes sense. So now it's like okay, well let's hit Cycle Trader, let's hit Craigslist, let's hit Facebook Marketplace, and let's start looking for a bike. You know what's out there, what are the costs like, and all that stuff. And let me tell you right now, the used bike market is just absolutely horrible right now. Everything is premiums. I mean, I'd like, and and I should say, good for them. I mean, you're being able to sell the bike at a, at a good, you know, at a decent price, um, but that's not that far off from MSRP, which is is kind of interesting. It ruins it for people trying to get into it, uh, but then it also puts a lot more business back into the dealership because now that gap of like, well, I'll just buy used because you know it still saves me a few grand. Uh, that gap quickly disappeared, and now it's like, well, maybe I should just buy a brand new one if I'm already going to pay all this money. So it, it definitely makes a difference in um, in the purchasing and, and, and how quickly a decision can be made on as far as a bike. So anyway, so I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think that it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting battle to find the right, you know, the right deal. Uh, the equipment's pretty much already there. I mean, all I, I know I've only got a couple of brackets and things that I need from uh, from Motoshop, Rally Motoshop to to finish up the nav case. And, you know, I'm not going to go full fairing on it uh, right away. You know, maybe later on I'll, I'll look at something like from Rebel X or something like that. But for now, um, I think I'll just, you know, I'll stick to the handlebar thing and, and not invest a whole lot into it. Uh, but more so so that I can just have a basic, you know, a basic bike, something that anybody else could build right if you if you have the you know you're like hey i want to get into this and i'm i'm trying to figure out you know well i got this dirt bike or you know what my buddy's got a, a wr or he's got a, a something or other and and i'm i just want to bolt some stuff to it and and go then you can do it right the the idea is not to feel like oh well i can't get into rally or if i don't have a fairing i am going to feel like i am not um I'm I'm not rally worthy or rally ready or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it looks cool. They look cool. Okay, I'll give you that. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, it's the equipment. Is the equipment right? Will the equipment work? Will it get you from point A to point B? And you know what? You don't need a fairing to make that happen. Yeah, the wind protection is nice and all that stuff. Yes, there is no two ways about that. But the idea of, you know what? Uh, I just need a basic bike, something that works. You know, hey, get the get the springs uh, get your, your bike sprung for your weight and then get, um, and then get them valved, get them gone through, you know, just something, just something basic, right? Make the bike comfortable, you know, uh, and, and, and make the bike comfortable and make sure it can turn some miles and then make it happen. I mean, that's literally the, the, the goal, right? Is get out, get to it and, and see what happens. I mean, it, it just, like I said, Going out for the first time behind a road book, right, and and looking at it and, and, and exploring these areas and going into these areas. And it was really like it's really satisfying. You know, you're coming up onto a split and you see everything and you're like, hey, look, there's the rock that's on this map. There's the split. There's that. There's OK. I need to go this way. And just seeing that that little win you know, keeps you going on to the next one. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to slow it down just a little bit because I want to make this decision that's coming up without stopping and and doing that and just in the flow and just going. And I mean, 
the difference between uh, me and uh, Quinn Cody, because that name came up a lot this weekend, is uh, was more uh, a, a joking manner, right? If if Quinn can do it, I can do it, and which is complete shit. There's no way that that's even true on any planet. Uh, well, maybe. Uh, we jam up the transmission so he can only get into first gear. I may have a chance after that. I may. Um, but anyway, so it's like you, you see these things, and you know, like the, the only difference between uh, one to the other is, yeah, well, your rider ability and your confidence on the bike and to be able to do that. But then it's that practice of getting into the flow and, and reading and developing your system. And it's like, OK, I'm not going to microanalyze the road book. I'm just going to go with it and I'm going to ride with uh, the force as, you know, as Scotty would call it in his in his class. And it's just like that that feeling. And it, it's kind of weird, but it makes sense and it works. You know, and and I mean, I'm sure he's not the only one that teaches that. I mean, I'm sure if you talk to uh, if you talk to some of the other guys that that teach it, uh, teach rally navigation and stuff like that, like I'm sure it's going to be it's going to be a similar idea that, hey, you know what, Um, this will at some point you have to decide you're either racing, riding for speed or you're riding for navigation. It's kind of like one or the other. And. And when one gets better than the other, then the other one gets easier. And so you just kind of go back and forth and your talent builds. But the only way that happens is skinny bike, road book holder, and go out and get lost. I mean, there's there's no other way around it. And and now seeing it, you know, um, firsthand and experiencing it is like you have a really good idea of what a road book is like and, and how to read it and do all of that stuff. But you have to experience those wins. And you have to go out and, and just see it and see how it works out for you. And so that's why I, I was like, I, I was blown away this weekend. I got to see some places that I've never been um, for exactly about three quarters of the day. I had not a single idea where we were, uh, which was kind of awesome, you know, and just getting to know new areas and stuff. And I wish that some of the stuff was a little greener. It would have just looked at that much more epic. Um, but still, you know, and, and it's something that was very like, um, some of the areas were kind of like picturesque, like, you know, we're way up above this town coming into it and, you know, we're doing these things and it's like, it's really awesome to see, uh, to see these things and from a motorcycle and from a road book. And, and now I think like, okay, well, if you guys have been following the show and, and heard some of the other people that have participated in international rallies, it's like, okay, rally is a way to travel. Like imagine going to, um, imagine visiting, uh, I don't know, like, uh, Cabo San Lucas or La Paz or, or going to Ensenada or going to imagine just going to any destination and literally just staying in the hotel. Like literally, like that's all you do is just stay in the hotel, <laughs> but staying and not going outside of that shell. And that I think I can relate now to to what it is to experience a roadbook and go out and experience some of these things, because generally you're going to go into areas that are not as well traveled, uh, that aren't as marked up and as, you know, as popular. Uh, but it's, you're going to be there and you're going to get to see things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. And that's where the hotel thing is. It's like, you never leave quote unquote, you never leave the hotel and on in a rally raid. It's like, okay, we're going to send you out in the middle of nowhere and you're going to have a map that you got to read and you're going to have to go do all of this stuff. And, it just it adds like 
I don't know. It adds like a whole nother level. So now I can tell you that sitting behind a GPS uh, on a bike and following along the route, uh, eh, you know, it could be cool. But I think it feels boring now. I can picture it being boring now compared to doing a road book. Because now there's the, the challenge is, in the, you know, you're just kind of touristy. And, and I get that. And there's people that want to do that all the time. And I get, you know, yes. But for me personally, after doing this, I'm like, you know what? It is. It kind of feels boring, you know. So I, I you know, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm looking at it. If anybody wants to buy an F850 GS with uh, just under 12,000 miles on it, uh, hit me up. You know, I want to get... Uh, I'm I'm looking to go skinny bike and get this thing set up and and go do some more routes and you know work on my riding ability and all stuff. But and it's just being honest. I mean, it's just fun, right? It's just go out and have fun and go on an adventure. Am I going to participate in a rally? Mm-hmm. But you know, I know there's things like uh, the SoCal Rally uh, coming up uh, that they're going to be doing their ride and and go out and do road books and do stuff like that. I mean, there's there's all those places like. Um, you could go, I mean, Sonora Rally has their class and their intro class. Baja Rally's got their intro rookie class stuff going. So the resources are out there and the places to go and do these things. And, yeah, if, you know, if you guys are listening in the on the East Coast, um, yeah, it might involve some traveling. But think of it as the beginning of the rally adventure and getting into the sport. You're going to go travel to go see some stuff that you would have never have seen anyway. So uh, be glad for that, right? And so I think that it's something that I don't know. I, I believe it. People need to do need to do more of it and get into it. And so we'll see. You know, we'll see. I'm going to look for the right deal. We're going to look for the right bike and and be patient about it. You know, and 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 then get out into uh, go out and do some uh, go do some road book and stuff. And and just even even creating road books of roads that I've been down. You know, uh, I think I, I could feel like it was probably pretty cool for. Uh, Dave to be watching me, uh, gnarly Dave, uh, be watching, you know, me get lost, <laughs> blow by him twice and not even see him. Uh, and, and just that was completely because he was standing still waiting for me to figure out where the hell I was going. So it was one of those things that, you know, it, it's like, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's like, okay, going to regroup going to head back to this point because I know where I was at that point. Okay, I'm going to slow it down when I get to this kilometer because this is where this exit is and I'm going to stop and look around and all this stuff. And you know what? Yeah, it's going to cost you time in a rally. And But for the racing and the competitive, yes, that is. But for somebody that's there for the adventure and there to just see these lands and see these areas, who, who gives a shit? You know what? Hey, I'm going to stop and take a minute. I, I feel like having a smoke. I'm going to have a smoke. I feel like I'm just going to sit here and enjoy this fruit bar and take some pictures. I'm going to enjoy this fruit bar and take some pictures. You know, it's um, within reason because I've been on the receiving end of that. And I'm like, dude, I don't need a bunch of guys coming in after sunset. The goal is to have everybody home before sunset and, you know, at a reasonable time, you know. And so there's the there's the clear cut. There is there is a line between the people that are there to be competitive and 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 race this thing and the guys that are there because well you know what i'm just here for the adventure and so 
I will be the first to say I am going to be the guy that's there for the adventure. Why? Because I know I'm not a fast rider. I'm not as talented as the Skylar Houses of the world, the Andrew Shorts of the world. Nowhere near them. I will enjoy watching them. If they need a hand, I will enjoy stopping and giving them a hand. Um, but I'm there for the adventure. So I hope more people are there. You know, they decide, you know what? Yeah, this sounds cool. This is what I want to do. You know, so I hope that that inspires some people to do it. But get yourself a bike and get yourself some rally gear and just go do it. That's it. There's no like, okay, just just do it. We talked about it on that episode with um, with Scott Bloom of Baja Rally um, and the the words ring true. It's absolutely true. You just got to get out and do it. And it's just fun. And, you know, everybody figures out the route and you're the last one to figure it out. And you get gassed around the campfire at the end of the day or whatever it is. You know, yeah, cool. But it's part of the fun. And then the next guy goes out and gets lost the next day. And then then now you get to give him a hard time, you know, when you guys get back home or whatever. And so it doesn't matter. But it's all adding up to a different experience, a different adventure and something that is completely different. So, like I said. I hope more people try it. I, you know, like I said, I had a lot of fun. It was, it was awesome to see these areas and on the 790, uh, you know, there's some work, there's some things that I realized that I need to do to the bike and get it, get it fine tuned. Um, but for the most part, it was still, it was still a ball and I still had fun. So I'm looking forward to doing it again, except this time on the right tool for the right job or wait, the right tool for the job, right tool for the job. That's the same. So I don't know, but anyway, that is the end of my rant, and I just wanted to share the news with everybody that I am no longer a rally virgin. So I hope everybody is having a good week and having fun. Well, wait, I hope everybody has a good week and has fun and gets a chance to get out to uh, to do some riding and, and start looking at it. You got a skinny bike in the garage? I would jump on the Rally Moto Shop website and start looking uh, looking for some navigation gear because you need to do that need to do some roadbook stuff uh rally navigator or tulip i would get used to rally navigator uh because if this thing grows and and you're doing more and more it'd be nice to still have all your roadbooks in one place and well you can do them uh in english which matches now the new dakar standard uh or fio sim or whatever <laughs> aso and fim um you know what they're what they're mandating so i don't know anyway that's a long rambling but like i said Go out, have fun, get some rally gear. Let's get uh, let's get out there, share your adventures. Don't forget to tag us on uh, social media with Chasing Waypoints uh, so we can see where you guys are reading. So I'm seeing a few people on Instagram now using that Chasing Waypoints thing, so I think it's kind of catchy. But if you do, use the hashtag Chasing Waypoints. I'd love to see where you guys are at and what you guys are doing and that kind of stuff and, um, and, and just exploring. So I, re- I really, really want to see that kind of stuff. Uh, and we could share it and Hey, you know what? Maybe we'll be a guest on the show, uh, in some future. So there's a couple guys I got in mind that are rookies and just getting started. And I want to talk to them, uh, because they're rookies and just getting started and I want to know their story. So look forward to having that next week. Next week. I think we'll have another guest on the show, uh, waiting for some confirmation there, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. Anyway, with that being said, here's the outro. That is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. 
We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week.